Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Welcome to the In the Clouds podcast. My name is Bobby Tishy, and I'm here with my co-host, Cole Fisher, and we were really excited to launch this new podcast of everything related to Marketing Cloud. And for Cole and I's, uh, the majority of our career, um, we've spent in what used to be Exact Target and then Salesforce Marketing Cloud as well. And we really um, are super passionate about the platform and are really interested in diving in and, and learning more about it and helping others learn more about it as well. Yeah, so this will be a chance just to kind of geek out about what is in Marketing Cloud, the capabilities, uh, success stories, uh, best practices, things like that. But um, really at a level that, that even if you're, um, you know, if you're a Marketing Cloud user or prospective user looking at ESPs and digital marketing suites, just things that can be applicable to um, current day marketing practices and what other people are doing and, and some ideation along the way. Yeah, for sure. And so we'll really spend, you know, our episodes going through, whether it's through Marketing Club products and services or talking to Marketing Club customers or architects or consultants, understanding how they're using the platform, um, tips and tricks around the platform, um, things to know, um, deep dive solution reviews. We'll also cover event highlights. And so with connections coming up as well as Dreamforce, and then also, um, we'd love to hear from you guys. So as you come up with solutions or even questions, whether they're technical or functional or just more generic in nature, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our inbox is in the clouds, I-N-T-H-E-C-L-O-U-D-S at levdigital.com. That's in the clouds at levdigital.com. So as we kind of jump into this, the first thing that we wanted to do is just provide a high-level overview of Salesforce Marketing Cloud, all of the elements, the, the history of it, how it came to be, and then we'll really dive into each of these different elements um, over the course of our future episodes. Yeah, so it all kind of starts with uh, what was formerly Exact Target. Um, it was uh, an ESP, an email service provider. Started in 2000, but actually acquired by Salesforce in 2013, almost six years ago to the day. Um, and it's really made up essentially of two uh, main components, studios and builders. And studios are what we think about as uh, essentially channels. And builders are what we actually um, build within those channels. And so that's all the messaging that's actually going out. And so uh, really the, the studios are email studio. And that, again, is really the, the ESP that was exact target. Uh, this before the acquisition was still one of the uh, biggest and best um, email service tools out there. Uh, with the acquisition uh, came uh, 
and enhancements in mobile um, ads and social as well. And that's when it really became more of a digital marketing suite across the board, uh, kind of amplified by that Salesforce acquisition. Yeah, for sure. And as we go through each of these, some of them were native to exact target when Salesforce acquired them, um, like mobile. Um, did have the SMS and a little bit of push capabilities. Um, but as, and kudos to Salesforce, as they bought Exact Target, they really invested and, and continue to invest heavily in the product. So things like Ad Studio, which is a, a new feature within the last couple of years, um, as well as Interaction Studio, the acquisition of Crux as the DMP, now known as Audience Studios there too. And then actually even before the Exact Target acquisition was Social, um, which was previously Buddy Media and Radiant 6. For those of you out there who have heard of or used those tools in the past, that's really what encompasses Social Studio. So um, like Cole mentioned, the studios are really the channels. The builders are how we orchestrate those channels. And um, just quickly to touch on most popular builder, I would say of Journey Builder, of being able to orchestrate these cross-channel and omni-channel campaigns um, across different elements and really um, hitting people at the right time, at the right place with the right content based on what they're looking um, or what their preference might be as far as the channel is concerned. And then we also touch on web uh, and web studio uh, in, encompasses uh, cloud pages and then personalization builder as well, which was formerly predictive intelligence. And this was one of those acquisitions that Salesforce, uh, that exact target, I should say, was actually in before the Salesforce acquisition. Uh, they acquired a company called iGo Digital, which was all of the uh, uh, web recommendation uh, engine and personalization. Uh, and so some really exciting capabilities there as well. And as we kind of go through each of these, we'll, we'll certainly dive into each of these specifically and go through solution um, elements and how, how to go about working with a lot of these different channels and studios and builders for sure. But we thought it made the most sense, especially as being the bread and butter, to really kick this off and do a series on email studio primarily and implementing marketing cloud for email. And so over the course of the next few episodes, um, we're going to go through everything from email sending readiness, you know, what are the first steps we need to take when we have the new marketing cloud instance, um, how do we migrate data and content, IP warming, all those different elements that are really foundational to getting a good start on email studio and the email components within marketing cloud. And so we'll have uh, consultants and architects um, come on and talk about their experience, best practices, recommendations to their approach um, to make sure that we're really uh, understanding things and hopefully sharing some great knowledge of the platform from years of experience. Yeah, and the reason this starts with email is not really just to coincidentally parallel the uh, acquisition of Salesforce of, of Exact Target, um, but really the, the way that acquisition uh, played out really um, really is kind of illustrative of what the backbone of a digital marketing suite is, and that is really with email. Um, we see all these new channels and new opportunities and touch points um, throughout the digital life cycle of a customer and all these new and exciting opportunities to market to them. But uh, even as, as of, I think, three or four months ago, uh, the latest studies were still saying that about three quarters of consumers prefer email to be their main marketing channel. Um, and it's, that's not, a, a, you know, due to a lack of change within the industry. That's not due to, um, 
businesses refusing to evolve or, or become innovative. It's really the opposite of that. The, the innovation is, is occurring within emails. And so these things like automations and journeys and, and how they integrate thoroughly with other touch points and other channels uh, is, is really the, the, uh, the next level of that uh, evolution. But really, it all kind of starts with that backbone of email. And so that's kind of why we start with email as the main component uh, when we consider implementation in the digital marketing suite in general. Yeah, for sure. And if you think about it, the, the email is kind of the cornerstone for that. You know, we we kind of think about it as, you know, there's not, you know, order or shipping confirmations that are being sent to your Facebook inbox or things like that. And um, the um, other element too is, is, is Salesforce sees that as well. One of the more, more recent acquisitions within the last year was a company called Rebel. Um, which uh, provides interactive email services within the email. So just as an example, Home Depot will build out uh, surveys um, within an email, or they've also created checkout processes within an email. So it's not only kind of the gold standard for messaging, but it's also continuing to grow um, at, at a great rate. And so as we kind of think about that and being the cornerstone for it, the other thing we have to keep in mind too is just how how we are personalizing and uh, recommending and just creating a really good experience for consumers because you know as, as a consumer I know a great uh, digital marketing process or just a great experience is actually what I'm trying to say with a company um, to give a perfect example is uh, Wayfair I think has some of the best customer service I've seen anytime that uh, we order anything from Wayfair. Um, and uh, my wife is a, a property developer. She develops Airbnbs. And so as uh, she starts ordering things, um, they provide her recommendations of, do you want a business account? And as part of that business account, you actually get a dedicated person that you can communicate with and they'll price match things for you. Um, and a big portion, a huge communication channel for them is email. So whether it's a delayed order or a recommendation for something else, um, they are a great example of how people do it really well. But even so, there's still so there's so much room for improvement. You know, a number of different companies that you know we work with or just that we get communications from are still you know have so much opportunity to improve where they are. Yeah, that, that's a, a great example. That Wayfair uh, example you share is. It's, it's foundational from email, but there's so many other touch points in so much advanced evolution in uh, the way they're communicating with, uh, with their customers. I haven't, I haven't um, shopped a lot on Wayfair myself. A lot of people I know do, but like it's, it's just absurd how uh, well um, targeted they are, how, how, how they hit the, the, the touch points at the right time with the right message, um, how it's all just dynamically done. Um, and I'm not saying that because they're a customer of ours or anything like that. They're not for the record. Just, you know, it's just somebody who's marketing you can appreciate. And that's the thing that a lot of times we have this misconception that it takes uh, really just the, you know, a marketing mindset or somebody with, you know, an MBA or, or you know, dozens of years of, of marketing experience to really understand what's good marketing. But the fact of the matter is we are all expert consumers. We all know where friction lies within the, the buying process. We all understand, you know, those, those pain points in the customer life cycle because we go through them. And so when I'm 
you know, I, I've just purchased a product and I had to open up a ticket, a, a service ticket because I've had a terrible experience. And then I'm still receiving emails for upsell and cross sell opportunities or, you know, other messages trying to, to sell to me and ads being bombarded. And this is a terrible experience for me. Why do I want mm-hmm. more products from you after I'm already right now opening a service? <laughs> so these right. things that just happen every day. And these are everyday consumer experiences that we know are bad, but we just, you know, deal with on a day-to-day basis because it's just commonplace. And that's really what we're hoping to help share and shed light on as, as we go throughout this podcast is um, what are um, functional and technical elements of marketing cloud that um, people can implement or consult or architect um, that can help improve that consumer experience or help improve that employee experience, which is another big element that as marketers, people really need to think about of how, how we're retaining and attracting employees as well. So we will definitely have sessions and times where we get way deep in the weeds and, and we look forward to that, right? Because that's really where um, the, the solutions come to life um, and we really put the pen to paper. So uh, the other thing we're going to do at the end of every podcast is uh, a session or um, category called Completely Unrelated. So this is where Cole and I will just talk about something that's just on our minds or could be related to technology and marketing or it could be completely off base. Um, the, the one I was thinking of, um, and this is related to technology, was uh, around Slack and um, uh, a plug to uh, a company called The Morning Brew. Um, they send out great email newsletters at the beginning of every day and it's great witty um, comedic writing about business. And so it kind of gives you an update of what's going on, what happened the previous day in a very light way, instead of kind of the more serious tone that you might get from other, other outlets. And so again, that's the morning brew. Um, and a huge fan of theirs. And in one of their recent emails, they were talking about Slack and how it kills productivity. And Slack, for those of you who don't know, is an instant messenger service um, that companies use to communicate internally and externally as well with customers or partners, things of that nature. And um, so the kind of the thought is that all these notifications coming up, people pinging you all the time with questions or conversation or just things that are completely unrelated, uh, no uh, pun intended there. I'm being completely unrelated. Uh, but, um, so, uh, I actually just in- implemented, we were just talking about this before, before we started talking of, uh, I'm going to check Slack three times a day in the morning or on lunchtime. And then right before I sign off for the day, I'm in the early evening and I'm really going to try to hold to that. So that way, um, I'm, I'm really trying to be as productive as possible. And I kind of just interested to see how it works. Part of me thinks you're just telling me that so that you can use an excuse to not return my Slack messages, but do, but I, okay, ever, but, do I ever return your Slack messages anyway? Well, this explains it. At least, this is, <laughs> yeah. at least now it's, you know, it's not as obvious. <laughs> Cole is the worst Slack messenger in the world. <laughs> I send wonderful gifts. So I don't know what you're talking about, but no, there's, there's something to that. And this was in the same study that, that said uh, that Slack and the um, open office space uh, were, were detrimental to productivity. And um, I remember, uh, you know, prior to um, 
working at Salesforce, I was actually in an office that uh, was, you know, commonly had wide open office space, uh, but they used to pump white noise in. Uh, and they said that made a, a significant impact on productivity just because it would drown out the noise all around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, even, even then, I, I, and I was, I was working, you know, 80, 90 plus hours a week at the time. And I, it was just so difficult to get things done People would just roll up to your desk. Don't get everybody's in their little rolly office chairs so they don't even have to stand up anymore to go and, and, and pastor everyone else. So they would just roll up to the right up to your desk and, and ask questions. And it got to the point where I would actually have to um, book a conference room or go hide to actually get the work done that needed to be done because, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just a, it's a distraction. And it's not, it's not intended to be because it's certainly, um, you know, equipping others to, to get work done more effectively. Um, but a lot of the work's just not getting done. And even when I have Slack open, I always have it open on the, on the side there, even when I'm snoozing it or I'm in the meeting, you know, and I, I, I have the notifications muted. I can see them racking up. I can see, or I can even sometimes hear them, uh, coming in the notifications. Mm-hmm. And even that is sort of ominous sidebar looming over my head of what I need to respond to is impacting, you know, my attention, my focus right now, what I can get done. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like technology is great and it helps us in a number of different areas and obviously provides a living for us. But at the same time, like how much is, is too much? Uh, it was interesting. We were just um, talking with one of our customers who's in the financial services industry and um, they had to get uh, a request access just to be able to go to Facebook on their company laptop. And this is someone in marketing who needs to run campaigns out of Facebook. And my first thought was it's got to be productivity related. And he mentioned it was more, you know, governance, you know, data compliance, yeah, security, yeah. security reasons. Yeah. But I think a small part of me still believes it's probably related to productivity. It's gotta be. I mean, I, I imagine and it is difficult to really like weigh the output, you know, have, have solid metrics of what productivity is, you know, in some of these uh, workplaces. But I mean, if you just looked at the amount of time spent on Facebook that are not built, you know, spent building ad campaigns and whatnot, I got to say most of it's not getting a lot of work. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> What do you have for completely unrelated? You know, I, I would have gone open office space. That's entirely uh, unrelated to the to the concept we're talking about. But well, you know what's funny? Completely unrelated to any of this is uh, for those of you who don't know, Cole always matches his um, shirts, the color of his shirts and the color of his socks. So right now, just to paint this picture, mm-hmm. Cole is wearing a pink shirt and pink socks. He's not lying. Uh, and I, I think uh, I'm, I'm actually quite proud of it. I'm looking down at my socks as if anybody else can see them. I'm quite proud of it. And I actually uh, saw a study, totally unrelated now, um, that said that uh, people who wear eccentric socks generally are more high functioning according to other studies. And so they, they, took, they took a study of, of like who was wearing relatively eccentric socks. I don't know really how they defined that. Uh, versus non-eccentric socks. And then they looked at their functional capabilities, like, you know, how they were multitasking and things like that. Mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, wearing goofy socks makes one smarter. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, of course, it's, it's more of a correlation, not a causation thing. Um, but I kind of found that really weird because I struggled to really accept that. I would like to think that about myself. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, there's also this, uh, what they call ego depletion, um, which is really like... 
um, I, I don't really like the term because it sounds like it's, you know, egotistical, like it's like self-involved or something like that. But what ego depletion really means is um, our ability to um, function at, at, at a certain level for long periods of time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when people like cheat on their diets and things like that, or when they said they weren't going to have a drink this week and they, you know, usually it's later on. So it's like late at night, it's where, um, other, other, uh, in- interferences have worn down on somebody throughout the day and thus depleted their ability to like resist temptation or to stick to a regimen or things like that. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot of studies around, uh, like our, our ability to, um, uh, make decisions and how well we make them and the quantity at which we can make those. Uh, and so that's why they say, uh, you know, people like Steve Jobs would wear just the black mock turtleneck and jeans every day is because he didn't want to have to spend, expend decision-making energy mm-hmm. on picking out something as trivial as what you're going to wear that. Day. Sure. And so, you know, if you save, you know, theoretically, if you save that energy for making larger strategic decisions throughout the day, then you'll be more impactful uh, but then again, that flies right in the face of the study that said that, you know, eccentric socks alludes to some sort of correlation <laughs> of uh, high functioning. Well, I'm wearing Seinfeld socks, so I don't know what that says about me. But we're also <laughs> in the background, Seinfeld's on mute on the TV. So overall, we obviously know that, you know, we're, we're of great taste because Seinfeld's the best show ever made. Fantastic. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, well, thank you for listening. We'll uh, t- stay tuned for next week as we start the series of how to implement a marketing cloud for email and really diving into the details. See you next time.